Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast, TMI, Too Much Disinformation, the pod that uncovers the good, the bad, and the fake of the online world. I'm your host, Rafi Mendelssohn, and on today's pod, we're going to be discussing how to counter online hatred, a massive problem, uh, a huge problem in terms of size and the challenge, and we're going to be talking about it today. Talking us through this topic is Eric Swain, and he's the CEO and co-founder of Respondology a social media tool aimed at removing hateful, racist, and brand-damaging comments. He's really well-versed in the evolution of the online space, having spent almost 10 years at AOL. Since then, he's built, scaled, and sold two successful companies in the media and ad tech space. But seeing the damage created by anonymous social media accounts, he created Respondology to address online hatred. And today, he's going to be talking us through the scale of the problem, and what can be done to overcome it. So without further ado, let's begin the show. <clears throat> hey, Eric, how are you doing? I am well, thank you. Great. Uh, I know we've been planning uh, and trying to find a time to get you to join us and talk through this really important topic, and I'm glad that we're able to do it. Um, incredibly important topic, but before we get there, I'm going to ask you the question of what was your first ever social media account? Hmm. Twitter, in the very early days, um, I remember sitting on my couch trying to come up with my social handle, which ended up being... <laughs> at Swain says, because I thought I'd have a lot to say. And what I found out is instead, I was like a lot of people on social media, particularly Twitter, where I was watching and listening and not actually posting as much. So in a way, at Swain says, still my name, uh, my social handle is a little bit of uh, fabrication because I don't say a lot. I listen a lot. Right. So just you're managing everyone's expectations now. If anyone follows you on Twitter, don't <laughs> expect him to say a lot necessarily. <laughs> well, if you reach out, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to you, but. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. So today's topic is talking about online hatred. And I don't think it's going to be a surprise for people to you know, be told that, yeah, there's a lot of hatred online. There's a lot of kind of you know, bad stuff that exists there. Um, but I wanted to ask you in terms of how you first came across this, you know, kind of what was the beginning of you kind of understanding that there is a problem and understanding the scale of the challenge? It was back around late 2018, and oddly enough, it all started with Serena Williams, as in the tennis player. Um, oh, wow. My head of product wandered over to my desk, and Serena had just posted out from the U.S. Open with her baby on her lap in a hotel room, some innocuous post. And he said, hey, you need to look at this. And we started reading the comments, and they were atrocious. I mean, racism of the worst ilk. Um, abusive comments towards the baby. I mean, really ugly stuff. And we started thinking about it and we said, first off, like from a moral imperative point of view, this can't be allowed. And then the commercial aspect started to kick in. We said, well, wait a sec, why isn't Facebook removing this stuff? And we started realizing that they weren't removing it. No other company was really removing it that we were aware of. And so suddenly we thought, wait, this might be the best of both worlds where you have a business that can make money yet do good in the world. And we put the two together and we launched the company and it's been in high growth since, unfortunately, because of the volume of hate that's out there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> nice to have unfortunately, but yeah, that, that is still a very much a, a case, uh, an issue right now. 
And, and so when you maybe kind of let's get into there's so many you know, different aspects of the conversation that I'm looking forward to unpack. But when you're talking about hatred or negativity or abuse, how are you, is there kind of different ways that you define those different things? Are there different ways that you detect them? Well, detect and define are different things, but let's start with like the definition of them. And, and this is kind of an interesting topic because doing what we do, occasionally people come up and say, well, how do you know when it needs to be removed? Well, there's a couple levels. The first is, you know, it when you see it, right? The worst racism, the worst homophobia, the worst sort of sexual attacks, they're obvious. You read them, you're disgusted and not a human on earth or most would say, yeah, that needs to go away. But then there's the question of, well, what is right? What is wrong? Censorship tends to come up. And here's the line that, you know, we have, you know, several hundred clients and this is how they define it. What they will allow in their brick and mortar store or what they will allow or not allow in their stadium is what they're going to allow in their digital stadium or their digital store. So if I were going to walk into, say, a pottery barn, a furniture store, and the couch came over to me ripped and late, and I go find the manager in the store and I say, hey, look, I'm pretty pissed off. This came late. This came torn. You need to help me. They're going to help me. If I walk into that same store and I start shouting at the top of my lungs to all the other customers in that store, profanity, this place is a scam, don't buy it and making a scene, they're going to walk me out of that store. That's the same line that a pottery barn or a lot of our retailers or consumer brands will play in the, what's their social store, their social presence. And it makes sense, right? You have control of what happens inside your store or if you're one of our sports teams inside your stadium. Why can't you have that same control in the digital world? And I think that's what's changing right now. Mm, interesting. It, it reminds me of when I first started to use social media, I was very thankful that someone said, don't post anything that you wouldn't want your own mother to see or that you wouldn't say to your own mother. Yeah. So it's kind of the, the, kind yeah. of the equivalent of that, right? Um, awesome. And, and where do you see, this might be a difficult question, but where do you see or, or who is online hatred being aimed at the most? Depends on the sector. So, you know, we see, we, we look, you know, in our industry across professional sports, across consumer brands and influencers. So the worst of the worst is aimed at professional athletes. We all read about that, right? Sports brings out the best and the worst in passion and people. And if an athlete, particularly one of color or of, of some polarizing nature makes a mistake on the pitch, on the court, whatever it might be, um, there's a side of humanity that absolutely unleashes on these people in brutal, brutal ways, if you saw the comments. Mm. So unfortunately, athletes are a magnet for this kind of thing. I would say next, it's influencers, um, you know, because they are generally high profile or mid profile individuals putting themselves out there representing a brand, but everybody likes to attack humans, or I should say a minority of bad people out there like to you know, attack humans. And then it's the consumer brands. And, and we're not talking about negative product feedback. We're talking about attacks on the brand themselves, slander, you know, um, really fired up, passionate, uh, untruthful hatred towards a brand. So I'd say it's in that order that we see it. Um, but we see it by the millions of comments every month across all three, unfortunately. Mm, okay. And what, what can be done about it? What is being done about it? Well, the good news is technology can now solve this. Um, you know, I think in, in past days you had staff on social media marketing teams trying to delete comments and not be able to keep up. And, you know, we see 60% of the comments that need to be hidden are hidden between midnight and 9 a.m. So when they're sleeping. 
And so technology comes to solve the day. There's technology out there that can filter through comments and make them disappear um, in less than a second and make them disappear discreetly, meaning the troll, if you will, who made the comment still sees their comment, but the rest of the world never did. So it's very <laughs> discreet and the comment's just gone. So technology, um, filtering technology, including the up and coming generative AI can make this go away and solve this problem. And it is right now. It's interesting because you mentioned Gen AI and, and it's almost, uh, I don't know if it's useful to think of it as kind of a, an arms race, right? The ability, if your intention is to cause harm, to be negative, to, you know, to, to, to post online hatred, then your ability to create that kind of content has now been increased because of Gen AI tools. But actually you're saying that the ability to counter that is also being increased using the same tools. Yeah, Rafi, that's really interesting because we do see generative AI utilized to um, exponentially increase the volume of hate out there and bots and spam, which is a real problem as well. Mm -hmm. um, but counter for counter, um, generative AI, when used correctly, along with some other technology filtering and some humans as backup, um, can conquer that volume. And it does every day. Um, you know, we, you know, we tend to see a, what we call a dirty social stream. So take a big NFL team, maybe, um, with lots of racism and homophobia and bots and spam and attacks on the coach that are, you know, um, ugly. And, you know, we've seen 98% of that to 99% of that removed. So it can be done. Um, but to give you a sense of the scale, since you're kind of touching on it, we saw year over year last year, the increase in hate across our platform uh, go up by 240%. That's a pretty big jump. Most companies would love mm -hmm. to grow that fast. So that's the, that's the pace at which this hate out there is accelerating. Wow. Okay. So we might have some of the solutions to counter that, but it's still, this is a growing problem, right? This is not a shrinking problem. It's a growing problem in terms of the volume that's out there, but whether you're removing five hateful comments from a social stream or 5 million, if the tech is in place, it can handle it. So I see. the scale of the problem growing warrants a solution, but if you have the right solution, it can handle that scale, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned earlier about, uh, about bots and spamming accounts as mm. well. I'd love to unpack that a little bit more as to what you're seeing and how does that differ? You know, why does hatred from a bot differ from hatred from a, you know, a human being? The bots differ a little bit. So the worst hatred, the toxicity comes from human hands on typewriters anonymous out there. So that's the first point. The, you know, the, the hate comes from humans and probably no surprise because that's humanity and it's always a part of who we are, unfortunately, as a people. The bots, they, they can produce some hate, but the bots are more invasive from a um, pornographic point of view, a DM Bitcoin, a scam, uh, watch illegal TV streaming links. It's more that, that clutter, that spam um, where the hate tends to come from the human hands, unfortunately. Predominantly. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned sports teams. So uh, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a huge so soccer fan, right? And I like me, like many other people, are uh, dual screening, right? I might be watching the game, but then I'm also on social yep. media, kind of in real time watching it. And, and then I see the kind of content there. There's a lot of negativity. I suppose my first question in, in that respect is, where do you draw the line between what might be 
negative to what might be hatred. And I know you, know, you gave the example of you know, shops, yeah. but also even within shops, you might someone who's just rude uh, as compared to someone who's actually warrants being kicked out. Where's that line? Well, we have, um, since, since we're on the, the topic of soccer, um, we have, as an example, a top six Premier League club on our platform. We have several, but they, maybe their feedback to me, I could relate to you, is where they draw that line. They are releasing um, soon a, a, a um, sort of ethical behavior guidelines. What will they allow on the pitch, right? Because there is some racism between players on the pitch or in the stands and in their digital channels. And it's all the same. Kind of goes mm-hmm. back to that example of what would you allow in your stadium is the same thing you may or may not allow in your digital store. So, and, and that line tends to be, look, if you want to be mad at a player who missed a penalty kick, let's say, or made a big mistake, you want to spew some negativity towards them. Okay, right? We're not here to censor criticism. And um, when it crosses the line of racist, homophobic, um, outright sexual slander, abusive, damaging, that's where they draw the line. And again, it's the same thing they'll allow in the stadium. So if I stand up in section 134 of, of, a, of a Premier League stadium and I'm just shouting that that player sucks, just missed a horrible shot, they're not going to walk me out of the stadium. Mm-hmm. If I stand up and start adding on to that, you know, heavy profanity, maybe some slanderous comments, maybe a racist comment, well, security hopefully is going to come and take me out of the stadium. That's the line that they draw. And you know what, Rafi, you, you kind of just know it when you see it, you know, mm-hmm. as any human would. You look at it and you go, that's not right. That needs to be, that needs to be removed. Understood. Understood. Um, interesting. And I suppose the second part of my experience when I'm, when I'm watching a game is that you get a lot of accounts, and maybe this kind of points towards the bot problem that you mentioned. You get accounts who are putting out negative or quite harmful content that are clearly watching the game, right? They're commenting on events that are happening in real time. But then you get other accounts who are using these events, knowing that lots of people are engaging in in that kind of content like I am in real time. And then are just kind of piggybacking or using those hashtags or keywords to also put out kind of negativity and harassment. Is that something that you kind of come across within, within your work? Yeah, 100%. And, and you kind of touched on something important, which is, I mean, social media provides a platform and some of the, some of the brands have 5 million followers. Some of the premier league teams to stay on that topic have 35 million followers. So it is a big platform. One individual with bad intent can reach tens of millions of people uh, with this hate megaphone, which really comes down to why we do what we do. Why as an industry, why as a people, we need to make this go away through that technology because they have a hate megaphone that can amplify this hate um, and ingrain it again in the next generation. And that just can't be allowed. So as an example, um, an average Premier League team probably has in the top six, 35 million followers. How many mm-hmm. Rafi would you guess are children? Let's call it 16 to 13. Probably a very large proportion. Uh, I'd say five to chunk. six million, right? 20 or 30% of them. So wow. now if, if I'm 14 years old and, and by the millions, I'm following my beloved brand, my athlete I love, and I see my fellow fans who I think are my fellow fans who also love my beloved you know, football team, and I see racist comments, I see homophobic comments, well, it's going to normalize it for me. 
And now mm-hmm. maybe we are allowing another generation of haters to be developed. So that just speaks to the moral imperative here as much as the commercial reasons to say this can't be allowed and the technology can handle it. So let's take this hate megaphone away because it is going to make another generation amplified into this hate. Mm, interesting. And amongst all the different types of kind of people or organizations that you work with, you know, you, we've spoken about a lot about sports brands so far, but how does the nature of that hatred change? You know, is it different kind of language? Is it more sophisticated language? Is it there a difference between the kind of bots and the real? You know, what's the, what's the, what are the differences between those different kinds of organizations and individuals who might experience hatred online? Well, you know, I mean, let's, let's move off sports. How about that? So sports, you know, you get it. It's a reaction. What happens on the field? It's passionate. It's brutal. Or it's really positive. But that's not the topic. For, let's say, consumer brands out there, you know, whether I'm Pepsi or I'm GoPro or I'm Savage Fenty or I'm just, you know, somebody that sells a product out in the world, it usually is attacking the brand itself and it's attacking the people that work in the company. Um, and there it's a different kind of issue. Yeah, there's still the moral imperative, Rafi, right? You can't allow this, but now it becomes a business concern. So let's go back to the Pottery Barn example, right? A, a furniture store. When you walk in that store, like any retail store, mass amounts of money, time, and energy has been put into optimizing that shopping experience to maximize sales, right? Where does this couch go? Where is this going? I want to channel the consumer through the store in this pattern. Like it's a science. Hmm. Now take it into social media. That science has yet to be developed within a social account yet. It's just as impactful. So if I am putting all this time and attention to my retail store and the science of maximizing the shopper experience in my sales, I'm not doing that today. The average client or consumer is not doing that today on their social media. They're allowing this stuff to happen because they just haven't gotten there yet in the evolution and the maturation of their marketing. That mm-hmm. means it is a sub-optimized marketing channel. And that's a big deal because, you know, some estimates have $250 billion will be spent globally this year by brands on social media. So it is just as big as Google search for most companies in the, as a marketing channel, yet they're allowing it to be the Wild West, which is clearly sub-optimizing the experience, the sale power, et cetera. So I think this is all going to change. If we were to have this conversation in two years, I would bet nine or eight out of 10 brands have now addressed this because of the size of the social marketing channel, because of the sales power and the brand equity power it has to build. But today it's still a little bit Wild West. And that's where it's different between a consumer brand and say a Premier League team or an NFL team. Hmm. And in terms of the nature or the type of hatred aimed at consumer brands, what are you seeing and how does that change? It it attacks things like um, how is the product made? Lots Mm. of like horrible comments about five-year-olds in China are building this electronic device. True or not true. Um, um, uh, You know, lots of attacking the C-suite, the executives that run the brand, um, the people within it because the couch came late or I never got Mm -hmm. my subscription food meal or, you know, whatever. I opened my drink and it was flat. You'd be amazed at the reactions we see by people on some of the smallest things. So it tends to be attacking um, the brand itself. Um, and the people that operate that brand and the, and the product, not really the quality of the product, but where it's made, how it's made, things of this nature. If Interesting. that makes sense, um, maybe. Yeah. No, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. Um, when, just before Russia invaded Ukraine, we, we were looking, Cyber was looking at the, the kind of response to businesses who had and hadn't pulled out of Russia. Um, and it was interesting to see the consumer sentiment around that. Um, but I think a lot of people would have, 
probably celebrated negativity against the brands who hadn't yet pulled out. They probably would have been supportive of the pressure. Um, so where, I suppose that brings us to the conversation about you know, free speech or, or maybe again, we're going back to like where that line is of, you know, there might be the, the example you gave is kind of the ethics and the values or how a company conducts itself. And many people will see social media as actually a good place to be able to exert some pressure to make sure that they mm. are holding themselves up to the code of conduct that they claim to do. Um, and, and so therefore, should they be allowed to do that? Um, and, you know, I know I understand brands are motivated to, to, to lower that level of negativity, but actually maybe in some cases, it's a good thing. This is a really interesting topic. So when I get in front of a brand a lot who are not yet using any technology to solve this problem, I'd say about half of them will say, we actually hold back, we the company, from posting out things we believe in because of the backlash we get. So mm -hmm. a, a classic example is Pride Month. You know, most companies will post out rainbow colors or they want to or support for, you know, this cause. And they have the power to move the needle a lot, right? I mean, these, some of these brands have a lot of influential power of society. And, and I would say half the time I'll get with a senior executive in marketing at a company who's thinking about taking on this problem. And they'll say, yeah, we held back this year a little bit from posting on something that we believe in as a brand because we just didn't want the backlash. We, you know, we actually came up with the hashtag of pride without hate. Hey, you can support this cause without the hateful backlash. That's just mm -hmm. one example. Um, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement, you name it, right? There's all kinds of things that companies want to put out there and say, hey, this is what we believe in. This is, this is what we stand for as a company and we want to promote that. But they don't because they just simply cannot have the reaction that just invades and takes over their social stream and renders it useless of all this hateful backlash. And so that's a problem, you know, and that's a problem mm -hmm. that's very unique to brands, consumer brands. And, um, you know, we need to solve that as a, as a collective because, again, they have the power to move the needle forward and they're holding back, which is not good. Interesting. And when you say backlash, that I presume that could come from both sides, right? You can be people who are saying you're not doing enough. And so therefore you should be doing more. And people are saying, actually, why have you done this? Uh, you shouldn't have done it at all. Yeah, absolutely. Like how about the Bud Light example earlier this summer? Um, you know, they, they, they posted out something that they support and um, there were people that absolutely hated them and had hateful comments and stopped drinking the beer and sales went down. There was lots of people that chimed in and supported it and said, fantastic right? Love to see this big brand in the world supporting something and putting themselves out there. So you're totally right. You get both. And um, just one of them's good and one of them's not good and very toxic. And so, you know, we have to, we have to, you know, balance these things out a little bit. Mm. How much does, does, do you have the ability to delve into the difference between something that is clearly negative and or like hate, you know, crosses over into hatred compared to something that is, um, purposefully trying to mislead or maybe inject some kind of fake or partially fake information. Um, you know, we've had a previous episode speaking to Ryan Macbeth, who spoke about deceptive imagery persuasion and the idea that you mm. take something that is partially true or an image that is kind of partially true, but you're amending it, you're doctoring it in order to be able to either distract people or move people's attention or to kind of change people's mind or to sow, uh, to sow those seeds of doubt. 
Yeah, we see that every day by the tens, if not hundreds of thousands. And that's the essence of a lot of the comments that that these brands, these consumer brands hate is or just um, really, you know, um, throw them off because it's it's lies about their product, mm. you know. So GoPro, um, the Hero 8, uh, the Hero 8 sucks. Okay, so it sucks. That can be thrown out there. The, the, the Hero 8 battery is no good. Fine, right? That's constructive criticism. That's negativity. That's okay. Mm -hmm. When they start posting out my example I used a minute ago, the Hero 8 is made by four-year-olds in China. Did you know that, everybody? Well, that's is that a truth? I don't know. But now that's been put out to the millions of followers that maybe are considering buying a Hero 8. And suddenly some of them believe it and the brand equity and the sales of this product just got took a hit on a lie, on a fake. Um, and so it, it happens all the time. And that is actually where it gets kind of dangerous for these brands because that's totally out of their control or used to be out of their control. And can mm. you imagine building a company, overseeing the sales, building a brand, you believe in it, you try and make it a quality product. Then there's millions of people out there stating lies about it. And there's millions of other people believing those lies and you're not in control of that situation. I and mean, if you're somebody building a company, selling a product or service, that's maddening. That's wrong. Mm. And so if you see, it's, you know, if you're, you, you come across and you speak to people on a day-to-day -day basis who are responsible for protecting the brand reputation, and if there's something that's wrong, there's probably a, a, um, yeah, a joint thought process of how much do we try and take down, especially things that are yeah. inaccurate compared to how much do we respond or try and reach out or try and educate, you know, what is, what is their thought process on that? And I suppose the, the question could also be applied, uh, it might sound flippant, but to, to racism, right? It, it, these are challenges of ignorance. Uh, and so there is the person saying it, but then there is the audience, just like you said, of, of you know, can be young people who are seeing this kind of content. You know, do you see brands who are interested in taking stuff down, but also engaging with and reaching out for the purpose of uh, kind of create a better environment or to address those issues? Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a great, a great point. So, um, you know, technology, ours and others hides these comments, but those comments can then show up in the customer service software that a brand uses. So they're not gone. And so what a lot of our brands like to do is they want to remove something from the public forum. You know, I'm a brand and I have millions of followers and this is a slanderous lie about my product. I don't want millions of people to read it, but it shows up, you know, half a second later in the customer service software that I utilize as a company. Now my customer service team can reach out to that person and try and make it right or try and understand what's happening or save a customer or maybe there's a moral imperative to reach out. Um, so it's really important. Um, you know, these comments are made to disappear, but they still can be acted on by the company for their sales, for their brand equity, for whatever reason they decide. I think that's important. It's not that they're just getting deleted and they're gone. They're removed from the public forum, but then they can be addressed. Maybe there's a way to, you know, move the narrative forward a little bit with that kind of, uh, approach. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and I want to uh, kind of go back, if I may, to talk about the online hatred you're seeing against individuals. Um, mm. And we, in episode 12, uh, people can go back and listen. Um, we, I spoke to Shauna, who is the CEO of Brightlines, who work with uh, public figures who are experiencing kind of online harassment. And that's 
at the moment that police step in and get involved. Um, mm. And she said that there, there are people who are kind of going about their lives and are in positions that aren't necessarily in such high, high profile, you know, executives of, you know, senior executives or, you know, public uh, election officials, for example. And she said mm. that the hatred is, is disproportionate and can often be disproportionately aimed at women and people in minorities. Is that, is that something that you see as well? Yeah, 100%, unfortunately. I mean, this is the way of humankind, right? Uh, females, people of color, um, people of different gender preferences, they're putting themselves out. Well, they shouldn't be considered putting themselves out there, but they're natural targets, sadly. And so, yeah, absolutely. Um, we see, uh, you know, majority, maybe 70% of the hate and the toxicity um, directed towards, you know, these people, these segments of society, but not holistically. Rafi, right? Um, we've got by the millions, terribly ugly comments directed at your, your white male who generally is considered protected in our society, right or wrong. Um, so it's everywhere, but undoubtedly it weights more towards those that are, are different in any kind of way, right or wrong. Mm, okay. And for people listening that are, you know, engaged in, so in social media conversations on a day-to-day -day basis, um, they may not necessarily be in the position of responsibility of protecting brand reputation or, you know, of individuals. Um, how should they be thinking about hatred that they might be seeing online? Is there anything that they can do to be able to counter it and do their bit? Yeah, I think if, if you're representing a high profile individual or an executive, a, a brand, a sports team, an athlete, and you're seeing comments that you think are wrong, you know, damage the brand, damage the person as a human. Because we have to remember, by the way, these athletes, they are human. You know, a lot of them are 19 and 20 years old and, and, and I'm behind the scenes and I've talked to some of these people and you forget these megastars are humans with emotions like everybody else. But if you see this, Look, there's technology out there. There's companies that can solve it and they can solve it tomorrow. Fascinating. Very, very interesting. Yeah. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk us through this topic and talking us through the, the kind of mechanics and also many aspects that I'm sure our listeners may not have thought about um, as part of this wider topic. And I know I haven't myself. So before we let you go, I have to ask you the question um, of to, to give us one good thing, one bad thing and one fake thing mm. that you're seeing in the online space today. Well... Let's finish with the good. How about that? We'll finish on a high note. I'll start with the fake. Yeah. Um, I'll give you two on the fake side. One is we have data that shows 500% increase in bots year over year, 2022 over 2021. That's a huge wow. increase in the bots out there. So that's a lot of fake going on. I'm going to give you a second fake, which is Meta's statement that they want to solve the problem. They're not. Right. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this podcast and be talking about this because they have the power to do it. Good people there, but the problem's not solved. And maybe they shouldn't solve the problem. You know, third party companies can solve it. The bad. Um, I personally know of some athletes who want to come out and will not because of social media. Now, how sad is that? Right. Someone who is afraid to come out and live their life and be who they want to be because they're afraid of the hate they're going to get on social. That's bad. That's bad in a lot of levels of the word. The good is as much as we deal and remove um, and see a lot of hateful humanity out there and make it go away. We see a lot of very heartwarming comments. 
you know, like when an athlete misses a, a penalty kick or a brand puts themselves out there like Bud Light, um, you see all the hate, but you see a lot of people lean in with really comments that almost make you proud of humanity, right? Very supportive, very warm. Um, and, and so, you know, you, you take that and you think, well, thank God there's people out there that, that, you know, have some sanity and some, some values to them. And we'll, we'll deal with the rest of the minority that really caused the problem with technology. So that's my, my fake good and bad. Well, thank you for ending on the good. So it leans on a, on a bit of positivity and what is a, yeah. a challenging, challenging topic and a challenging you know, issue in our society still today, very much so. And it sounds to a certain extent, uh, extended that it's really, really growing, but good to know that there are also potentially, you know, that there are the tools to counter that. So Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and for all the listeners that have been listening, thank you for joining us today and uh, have a great day, everyone. Take care. Yeah. Rafi, thank you. Cheers.